Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Back, 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 back again, again, again. Hockey's back, back, back. See, I'm already I'm echoing. Is anyone listening to us, the two of you? Yeah. I'm not listening to it, which means... 99.99% of the time we have these issues, it's Beth. And the other 0.001% of the time, it is also Beth. It's Beth. It's Beth. Okay. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this is the first podcast that we can do this season that has actual hockey involved. Not that we don't talk about hockey normally, but hockey games that we've all watched with our own eyes from this year. Yes, the New York Rangers are 2-0 and to start the preseason back-to-back OT winners. Uh, they beat the Islanders on Monday in a one nothing contest, and they beat the Devils last night 4-3. to in overtime, Philip Heitel. By the way, we have some apologies to make to Mr. Philip Heitel. It is not Cheetel or Heitel or... Oh, I'm sorry. It is Heitel. I apologize. It's Heitel, <laughs> not Cheetel or Cheetel or whatever. It's Heitel, like heating up. He's heating up Heitel. Um, and what was it? Georgiev is the goalie? Georgiev. Georgiev. So we... Uh, we screwed those Alexander up. Alexander And also from Neil, Bulgaria. Neil Pionk, not Poink, which I actually wrote Poink. on Twitter. Um, so there's a few ways we could do this. We can talk about Monday's game, or we can just kind of talk about just a smorgasbord of things. Um, but I, I will instead open with a question, and Beth. You were at both games, so you get to answer this question first. Out of everybody that you saw, who impressed you the most? Uh, by the way, thank you for the fact that I was at the game. I was uh, borrowing Joe's seat, which he was kind enough to uh, let me have. She did and... not return them. <laughs> no, I, I still have them, very much so. Um, see, now I don't know how to say his name. I have to say, Heedle. Heedle. It's Heedle. Heedle. like Heedle heating up, like Heedle. Monday game. Okay, actually, so two things. Heedle and also uh, Kreider last night was a lot of fun to watch. Let him keep that A. He just looked authoritative and like he meant business. Um, but, yeah, from from his first shift, I think he did a cool little 
no, it wasn't his first shift, but it was definitely their first real attempt. The cool little pass off his own foot or something. Do you guys remember what I'm talking about? I don't know if you could see it the way I did. But yeah, basically the first thing he did in front of the net was pretty much exactly the sort of thing we'd be hoping he'd be doing in front of the net. He does not look 18. Um, I know people barely have been talking about Yeah, he's and barely 18. 18. And yeah, so I mean, the, the, the game-winning goal was just the icing on the cake, but it was fun every time he was out there. I loved that line. Um, I love that, that Zook was just making stuff happen in his little Zook way, and you know, they looked like they were having fun, which it was a game that went in all kinds of strange directions. Um, but that line was just so much fun to watch pretty much every time. So that for me was great. And then I'm trying to, oh, well, all right, I'm going to stop talking. I talk, Mike, what's the thing you were happiest about? <laughs> so Because um, I could go I really, on and on. Before the podcast started, I was telling Joe that before the goals were scored in both games, the guy who stood out the most to me was the guy who ended up scoring the overtime goals. Uh, Pionk was, he did so many little things right, and he definitely looked small. I think he's five foot 11. Uh, he looked kind of undersized, but I mean, it, for a guy who's a right-handed shot, you know, he's 22 you played the last two seasons at UMD, and this is a guy who didn't cost the Rangers anything. This is just a college free agent signing, and uh, I loved his game. I thought he got – I think he might run into issues with his with getting rocked every once in a while for holding on to the puck along the boards, but he definitely knows how to move the puck. He makes smart little moves just in his own zone to get the transition game going. And between him and D'Angelo for the future of the right side, it's pretty promising. I really thought he looked great on Monday. I was, I think I use this word too often because I truly mean it now. Uh, Heatle was intoxicatingly good. There was absolutely, there was not a moment where he was on the ice where he didn't make something happen or get the puck, or do the right thing. Um, Vigneault actually mentioned that he, in practice, he saw Heatle go to the tough areas of the ice, and he didn't expect it in a game because, quote-unquote, or I'm really paraphrasing, like my team, his teammates aren't going to rough him up, which I think is interesting because if you go to the tough areas of the ice in practice, you should probably get used to getting hit, but that's a different story. Um, Just everything he did, his work in tight, his work in transition, his ability to take a hit, he made one or two moves in the slot to generate a shot or to generate a pass that just, it blew your mind. And it's so incredible because 17 days ago, if you're listening to this on live, which you're probably not, but 17 days ago, he was 17 years old. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. This is a kid who, at every stage in his career, has played in, at worst, he's been a year younger than everybody else. And in some instances, he's been two or three years younger than everybody else. And that doesn't even include last year or the 17-year-olds who played an entire year on a top league in in the Czech Republic. I was saying to Mike before the show, and 
we're basing this off of a single 60-minute in- interval of, of a hockey game. So um, this is definitely hot take material. Of all the players who are fighting for that bottom six, third-line center role, Heatel is the guy who's earned it as of right now. I liked Anderson in the first game. I don't know why he played in the second game if he was only going to play 12 minutes. He was a late addition. Maybe somebody was hurt. I'm not sure, but I didn't love what I saw out of him. Um, the second game, not that it was bad. It just wasn't nearly as impressive as he was in the first game. But Heatel was incredible. And one of the things that I think you hear a lot that people don't justify is a high hockey IQ, right? Guys say that all the time. Oh, he's got a high hockey IQ. Well, here's what it actually means. If you look at the game-winning goal, Heatel was basically a foot away from the goal line. So the Devils were on a four-on-three because it was a penalty in overtime, and whoever the low defenseman was was right in front of the crease like he should be. And Heatel knew that the passing lane from Zuccarello, Zuccarello didn't even have the puck yet, was not going to be able to get to him if he stayed where he was. So he moved two feet, just pushed himself two feet out, and put himself in a perfect position to score. And that's exactly what happened. And those are just not plays we're accustomed to seeing out of 18-year-olds. Really, 17-year-olds. So, for me, he was ridiculously impressive. And he's playing again tomorrow, which I don't know if that was the plan, but it really does look like the Rangers are doing everything they can to take a very hard look at him. You just you hear some of the things that Zuccarello says. You hear some of the things that Lundqvist says about him in practice. He, I mean, this looks like – I think a lot of people were a little concerned when the Rangers made the pick because they hadn't heard of him. I was certainly in that camp. But once you really sit down and look at it, my God. I mean, you, there's, the skill just jumps off the charts. And really the Rangers have nobody in the system right now with his ceiling whatsoever. Um, Mike, am I being optimistic by thinking Hazel might be fighting for that uh, 3C role? Well, it is pretty damn interesting because this wasn't what we were talking about even a week ago. The talk was really, you know, Anderson is the kid who has a chance. He's the guy who's played against men, and uh, he has kind of what's considered just a more balanced game. And we saw, you know, in in Anderson's defense, he kind of flew under the radar a little bit on Wednesday night, but he was playing on the fourth line. I mean, he just didn't he didn't get a chance to really show what he can do, and at times I thought he looked good, and other times he just kind of blended in, which is not terrible, but, you know, he's, he's 18 years old. We should cut him some slack. The, the other big thing that impressed me so much with Hedl was we know he missed Traverse City because he was hurt. And they're obviously being careful and smart. And his hands just going through traffic and his puck discipline, he, if he knows he can't get into the zone with control, he'll pass it back to the defense. And that might make some people groan, but that's, that's keeping the puck. That's puck possession. It's really, really savvy, intelligent hockey from, like Joe said, you know, a kid who was 17 years old two and a half weeks ago. I I think it's still very, very much an uphill battle, especially with guys like uh, Desjardins and Camp, who, you know, he's he's doing all the little things that I think a guy like him has to do. He's killing penalties, he's taking face-offs, he's yelling at the referees and, you know, face-washing devils and doing all these little things. But <laughs> I 
I mean, if Heedle puts up like 60% of the performance he put up on Wednesday night in tomorrow's game in Bridgeport, I mean, what more is there to say other than a, a kid who just looks ready? Yes, of course, we're getting excited about one game, but it's been a while since we've had a first-round pick prospect who, you know, was this good this early and is, you know, this it's worth getting excited about. And a lot of similar things can be said of Anderson, but in terms of just, I just want a power play with Heedle on it. I don't care how old he is. <laughs> I, I want him out there. He's He's that good. Yeah, I, I mean, wanna, that's it. I, I don't care him. how old. I just want him out there. I mean, why would we not put what we saw last night out there? I mean, yeah, of course we want to see a little bit more of it. But last night made it look like a no-brainer, practically. Um, and since we're always uh, accused of being negative, I want to put some uh, pennies in the positive jar for us and say how those two game-winning goals, in those two games, a freaking spinorama and a last-second shot. I mean, <laughs> how often do you get to have your dream goal be your a goal like that in a game like that that so much is riding on? Not just a goal, not just an early goal, but, I mean, and everybody watching, everybody on their feet and the game get the win goal be that great for two guys who, I mean, we're watching and waiting to see what they can do. I was just so happy for both of them. It was just such great, great moments, great hockey, great fun to watch. Um, And I think it was a great optimistic way to have the kids bring us. All right. We still got one more preseason game, but I mean, I think it was a great way to get the season going with, with those goals coming from those kids at that time. I choose to view that as an oracle of good things as opposed to an oracle of calamities. Good thing. I don't think you can change your powers, though. Your powers are your powers. You are the oracle of calamity. It's the only – you can certainly take guesses and and get a little lucky, but you're the oracle of calamities. It's just the way that it is. So if I don't see any calamities right now, then maybe we're clear for a while. Or you're not oracling. Um, Mike, you can hop in with your Pionk note, but just to Mike ask the question for clarification, um, Heatle does fall under the nine game rule. So what that means, and actually Anderson does as well, players that are on an entry level contract, an entry level contract is three years long and it's very team friendly. It's like $900,000 on the cap. So to keep players under an entry level contract for as long as possible, contracts can slide. If Heatle and Anderson play overseas this year, their contract doesn't actually kick in. Um, if either plays nine or more, I think it has to be more than nine games in the NHL, then the, you have to burn a year of the entry-level contract. So if you see anybody talking about the nine-game rule or whatnot, that is exactly what they're referencing. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, I, I just wanted to add uh, a note on Pionk, which was Pionk. I think it's it's a very good thing that uh, D'Angelo looked as good as he did because otherwise there might be already something brewing about, you know, whether or not it's still D'Angelo's job to lose. And, you know, it, it felt like he had kind of a, a head start just because of all the factors involved and what what we gave up for him. But, uh, 
you know, it's something I noticed um, from that Monday game was there's been a lot of talk off the ice about uh, D'Angelo and maturing and everything, but you could see that, you know, there is the other team knew they could get under his skin and, you know, they're giving him shots after the whistle and all that stuff. And, you know, even if it's true that he has that, you know, I mean, it, granted it's the Islanders and the Islanders and Rangers are always going to be chirping at each other, but even if it's true that he's really worked on his, you know, discipline and his maturity and all that stuff, if he has a reputation of being a guy who you can screw around with and get off his game, that could be a big a big factor in not only his, you know, first season as a Ranger, but you know, if he's really in a roster battle at this point, because it's, it's a hard thing when you're a defenseman, just in the modern game, you just cannot afford your defenseman to take stupid penalties because all of a sudden you'll be down to five defensemen and killing penalties. And given some of the rule changes we've seen, it looks like there might be a hell of a lot of penalty killing early in the season for everyone. So yes, the NHL, uh, there's no there I understand and they're going to crack down on slashes and they're going to crack down on face-off violations but I'm pretty sure the Rangers have had 18 power plays the past two games I'm not even making that number up I legitimately think they have I think it they sounds have 18, ridiculous they have right power plays. I think the devil sounds way too high the, are you questioning me no I'm saying that it's it sounds nonsensical that they in two games they had 18 power plays but that's that's what happened I think the Devils and the Rangers played like 31 minutes of even strength yesterday. That's uh, it's it's uh, Shattenkirk had almost 10 minutes on the power play. He had like nine minutes and 50 seconds on the power play. It's insane, and I don't even think he was overused. He was just taking regular no, shifts wasn't. at one point. Yeah. Um, one of the points that I wanted to make while I was gushing over Heetel is I don't want to take away from how well Pionk played in the first game or D'Angelo. I, I thought for two guys that are fighting to make uh, – listen, I'm going to assume the Rangers have two open defensive spots. I know you can make your argument that Stahl has to make the team or that Holden is going to make the team or whatever nonsense, yes, and we can get into how both of them happen to be the worst <laughs> players on the ice in both games that they played. But Pionk and D'Angelo I thought were fantastic on Monday. Um, and they really put the pressure on because at this point it's going to take a lot to usurp Stahl or I think one of them will get a role for sure. There's no way Stahl and Holden are going to be the third pair. And if there is, we should go to the trees where Vigneault lives and with pitchforks and whatever else Mike was saying. But I, it, I, I love D'Angelo has the chip of, oh, well, you traded Stepan for me. But I thought he was spectacular. Um, the defensive game that they've talked about not being there didn't seem evident. Granted, we're talking about a New York Islanders squad that was not really a hockey team. It's a preseason team, but you get the point. And Pionk was – a lot of people have He's talked a great about the fact that he, he might be able to be an impact right away. And – I was skeptical of it, and I am a full believer now that he was awesome. Now, that puts pressure on guys like Stahl, 
who wilted. That puts pressure on guys like Holden, who wilted. And Bear Glazoff, who has not played yet for whatever reason. A.V. said he's playing games three and four of the preseason. So I, I just don't want to take away from those guys. I, I think they played really well. I think Anderson played really well, um, again, in the first game. But I thought Heetel was, without a doubt, the Rangers' best player. And Mike and I were kind of talking before the show. It's funny how Shattenkirk comes in, has three assists, runs a clean power play, and we're here talking about Heetel 19 minutes into the show. (laughs) But, Mike, how friggin' good was Kevin Shattenkirk? How sweet is that? It's it's one of those things where, you know, I was I was excited just I was lucky enough to be at the game. I was excited just to see him get on the ice and start skating around and like, Oh yeah, this this is Kevin Shattenkirk. This is the the big ticket free agent and for a change the Rangers didn't overpay and he's right in the prime of his career and he's exactly what the team needed. And you know, I think that some critics might point out that he had five giveaways. But uh, we, as we, we've we talked about before on this podcast, well, the first thing is he had five giveaways with 25 minutes of ice. And, you know, that's it's okay considering the fact that he picked up three assists. And I, I don't know what more you'd need from a guy's debut other than, you know, <laughs> three assists. Uh, one at least one of which was primary. I know where practically he just shot the puck and hit Dayarnay in the, the hands and chest, and then it just went in. You know, it wasn't the prettiest goal, but we got to see him. You know, he'll he'll quickly move his feet, and then you know when he has the puck, his head's always up, and he'll create that that shooting lane or passing lane, and he just has an understanding of where to get the puck and. You're talking before the podcast, Joe, of the the pass uh, that helped create, you know, the that Kevin Hayes goal for the first goal of the game on Wednesday. I mean, there's so much to like with Shattenkirk, and I liked his game away from the puck just as much as I did with the puck, which speaks volumes. He was physical, you know. He he was always one of those guys who's always talking, who's always looking around. You could see, you know, he was pretty comfortable with Shea. I, there's nothing not to like from that game. I mean, he played, you know, 25 minutes. And as you said, what is it? Nine minutes and 30 seconds or something on the power play. I'll take the five giveaways. If he gets three assists every night, you know what I mean? That's fine. It's it's all good. It works for me. And, And can I just say that giveaways are not an indication of not being a good hockey player. Nope. If you go down the list of the person who has the most giveaways last year, I guarantee you Crosby and McDavid are in the top 10. I would almost bet money. If you have the puck a lot, you give the puck away more than players who don't have the puck at all. It's simple facts. Learn your crap. It's just oh the way that the game works. And there are so many people out there. I don't know. First of all, I have no idea how you as a hockey fan, unless you're totally bitter, are thinking, oh, well, the Rangers totally overpaid for Shattenkirk. You're just jealous. She's an elite (laughs) defenseman. I don't know what to tell you. Are you insane? He was unbelievable. He just, uh, and uh, again, 
Beth always calls in like two seconds before the show starts. So Mike and I are usually waiting around for Beth and then we, we talk about things that we're going to talk about. So today when I say Mike and I were talking about, I'm not leaving Beth out intentionally, just she wasn't there. Um, I, I didn't know whether or not I wanted to go ahead and say this, but you almost look, I don't think Shattenkirk did anything particularly exceptional yesterday. I'd say the most exceptional thing that he did was the spring pass to spring VC before the Hayes opening goal. But we are so accustomed to, oh, my God, what are they doing back there? That when (laughs) a a defenseman comes in and does something normal that they should do, it's amazing. We haven't even seen McDonough and Shankirk together yet. It may open up a vortex or a black hole. I don't know. Oh, my God. But, But the guy's out there. He's setting shit up. He's throwing the puck this is not the game of oh we're just going to toss the puck into the neutral zone and hope that somebody gets it or we're going to bang it down the boards and hope that we don't have an icing we're actually competently moving the puck to streaking winger this is the way that Vigneault's system is supposed to work and as of right now four of the four defensemen that we know are making the team can do that and it's incredible it's absolutely incredible Um, go ahead Beth yeah, I. it's funny because I think I was at the game uh, with my daughter Lucy last night, a uh, former hockey kid, um, and she's the one who said without, you know, having had the endless conversations about this that we've had, and in part it was because we were talking about who was a rookie and where they came from and what they were good at and stuff, but her description of Shattenkirk, she's like, it's like having a grown-up out there. And that made perfect sense to me. It was just like somebody was out there who was on the power play, who was running the show and you could tell, and you could tell that people were going, you know, were being sort of marshaled and you could tell that there was someone out there who just knew the game absolutely inside out and had the skill to match the knowledge and was going to make good choices. And yeah, I, I so completely don't want to have the giveaway conversation Hockey with no giveaways is boring hockey. Okay, we had this conversation about watching Keith Yandel. All right, and I, again, Shattenkirk had the three assists. So are we really going to dwell on giveaways? Giveaways, you're trying to make something happen. Okay, and something, I mean, this is what we want. And am I right in saying, Joe, I I didn't think about this until what you said about who we have on D now. We did not. I think we saw less dump and chase. Oh, so much less. I don't even, I can't even remember a real instance of dump and chase or at least extended dump and chase. I mean, there was some chaos, but I'd rather see chaos than dump and chase. And I think that's a really good sign. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. I wasn't going to add anything. uh, Yeah. Just to, to build on all this, because I think it's, it's really valuable when you see guys like Pionk and Shattenkirk look that good, and D'Angelo for that matter, look so confident and skilled with a puck on their stick because it's been two preseason games, but we've gotten to see, you know, a couple of guys who are kind of in over their heads, like uh, John Gilmore, who's, you know, <laughs> he's a very young guy. Uh, he played on Wednesday and... You know, I think I think he was paired with uh, with Stahl, and that oh, just, it did it just didn't go well. And it wasn't just the fact that like you know 
you know, they, they, there's an, a problem with, oh, you know, one's a kid, one's a veteran, both are battling. And, you know, that, that wasn't the story there. The story there was neither of them really had the, the necessary skills, mind you, against preseason competition to make, you know, competent and confident plays with the puck in the defensive zone. And we saw it result in a couple extended, you know, uh, just the devil locked in the offensive zone. And, you know, when I was watching the game, I could just see it coming because you just see the failed zone exit and you see the devil's got a line change. And then it's here we go. Something's going to happen. And normally it's the devils, you know, hit a post or they draw, they get on the power play or something else, but it's, and this is not just to, you know, crap all over like Gilmore, who, you know, there's nothing wrong with him. He still has a lot of time to develop. But it does speak volumes about just how valuable it is to have, as the wise Lucy said, a grown-up out there with the puck because we get to see, you know, that that offense, and there's so much quickness on the Rangers. And apparently Matt Pumple's a fighter. But more importantly... There's there's so much speed for the Rangers to use, and when you have guys who can move the puck on defense, you get to use all that speed, and that's why I am so excited about what we can see with you know Shea Smith, D'Angelo, you know with Pionk. Who knows what ends up happening with Pionk? But at the very least, Hartford Hartford's going to have a gem in Pionk, if and that's the worst case scenario, which is nothing but great news because. As I said earlier, he's still 22 years old. There's, there's no reason to, to think that he failed at something because he didn't make the team this season. Lucy, as in your daughter, Beth, said that? Yeah. That's such a Beth yeah. quote. She truly is your child. How Very old is she? Is. She's 15. I, at 28, I would not have even had the coherence to think of growing up with the puck. And I'm supposed to be in charge of this shit So That's good, that's really good Um, Mike, you're gushing about how much you love Pionk But there is a defenseman that you don't love A dark hatred for Uh oh Who would that be? Who's that? Maybe not hatred Uh oh I don't know what you're talking about You didn't like Gilmore I just talked about Gilmore I was obviously totally Totally engrossed with the fact that Beth, Beth's child is smarter than I am. Well, I've ruined the son podcast. Of a bitch. I apologize. Um, it's fine. No, I just know. I know now that you don't listen to me. But uh, I will add me. that I was not impressed with Gilmore. Um, I was somewhat impressed with Graves. I, I think it's hard for a guy like Graves. So it's kind of weird. The defense was n- relatively normal in the second game. In the first game, it was really McDonough. Um, in terms of like guys that you would know about, Smith, Shea, and um, Shattenkirk all played in game two. So I, I think I kind of you don't like my issues with Anderson yesterday was the fact that he was somewhat invisible, but he was also on the fourth line with players that I like players that are never going to ever make the team in a million years. So. Uh, it's hard to judge every now and again, but Buck Raves was okay. Um, I really like, I loved Pionk. I loved D'Angelo. Um, Gilmore, I was really not impressed with at all. Just, and Stahl and Holden and 
yeah, not not okay. Um, yeah, there's def- there's definitely a couple of those those D to worry about, I think, and it was a little surprising. We didn't even touch on the the, the early cuts with Kovacs being among them and uh, Gettinger and uh, and Ronan getting sent back to juniors, but. I just want to make a correction. Gilmore, I was mixing him up with, uh, I think, Pedri. Gilmore is 24 years old. It's, it's fine. At least I listen to people. He used to be, he was a <laughs> former seventh-round pick of the Flames. And he played last season in Hartford, which is something I, I used to know before I forgot it as it goes. Uh, that is not what you want to see from a guy who's 24. And, you know, I think that was a bit of an audition for him to see you know, where his game is, because he had something like 25 points last season with the Wolfpack, which was a terrible team. But, I mean, it's it's preseason, it's the Devils, it's half their roster, it's, you know, he's playing with Mark Stahl, and even with all of Mark Stahl's faults, you know, he's he still can be an NHL defenseman. And uh, I really think that he kind of swung and missed. I actually wanted to ask you, Joe, um, Specifically because we saw a bunch of these, like a lot of these guys who, you know, it's fun to talk about Heedle and Anderson uh, ad nauseum, but we also saw a lot of these, you know, the the Catanaches, the Lettieris, you know, all these kind of kind of random, eh, Tambellini too, you could throw in there, Grop. You know, we saw a lot of the, the young forward prospects. I, I think I'll start off by saying I thought Grop was pretty invisible on Wednesday night. Yeah. I don't know. I'll ask you first, Beth. Did you, did you feel that way about Grop or no? Uh, I felt no way about Grop. So that pretty much attests to the invisibility. <laughs> fact, I think yes, okay. who, who was it who had the insane miss chance? Like right at the net, like unbelievably, it was just oh, a sort of bang. bang. On who Monday? Was it? Yeah. Are you talking? Yeah, that, oh, no. that was cool. Just, no, oh. just this game. Oh, I don't know. Unbelievable chance that it was <laughs> it was someone with a name ending in a vowel. Oh, well, Tambellini, Cat, Nashi, Pick. Wait, so whose name is Vince? Vince Pedri. Vince Pedri. That one doesn't make sense. Anyway, he's a defense. Yeah, I thought he was fine. He played on the third pair. He was fine with. He played with Smith, I think. He only played twelve minutes, but I had no issues with Pedri. I thought he was okay. I think it's hard to stand out when you're on the third pair. Yeah. Yes, that's. He didn't make any glaring Um, mistakes. I think both of you are well aware that I am not on the Grop train. I'm. Yeah. I am absolute. So I don't even. I mentioned him in the stock report this morning. What happened? It doesn't sound like a good train. No, it doesn't. I I might be biased because I didn't love the pick when the Rangers made it, Um, which, I mean, I guess theoretically I didn't love the Hito pick either because I didn't really know Hito, but I wasn't against the Hito pick. I I don't – I have a rule. If in the first sentence of a scouting report of a player – his heart or his size is mentioned mm-hmm. unless the size is like an unbelievably skilled six foot eight center. You don't draft that player. Everybody talks about Grop's size. He's a big body, great skater, big body. 
Big this boy. was a total – last year was an utter disappointment for Grop. I don't care that he put up a point per game. Before Barzil came back to that team in Seattle, he was nothing. Last year when he didn't make the team, because who would have expected him to make the team legitimately, he got kicked out of Wolfpack training camp in a day. Kicked out's really not the, the right word. They just said, hey, you're going back to juniors. They put him on the like ground. pulled the mic and down bad. But you just – I expected – more for a player drafted in that position. And he's just, I don't think he's an NHL player. I could be wrong, but I don't think he's an NHL player. And nothing, he got like five minutes on the power play yesterday too. I didn't see anything from him. You could have told me he wasn't playing and I wouldn't have known he was playing. So I just don't, I don't, uh, yes, he's invisible. I'm disappointed in pretty much what he is right now, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, I'm biased, so I don't really, I don't get a say, I suppose, um, because I'm biased. Um, <clears throat> did you have another question, Michael? Well, I, I actually think it's it, it's kind of interesting to see these guys. Uh, Groff is 21, but it's interesting to see a lot of these guys, including uh, I mentioned them earlier, but not for the best reason. It was Cole Schneider in that that game against the Islanders where he had just the wide open net and he rushed the backhand and uh, the Islanders goalie, I forget his name, uh, made the diving save. It was one of those just, oh, God. But that was uh, Schneider and Paul Carey were a couple of kind of like AHL ringers that the Rangers signed amidst all this uh, turnover with Hartford. And, you know, they looked a lot like you know, in the past when we'd see the Rangers bring up like Jason Megna or something, you say, oh, I can see, you know, why this guy is a fringe NHLer, but, you know, in the right role, he could be, he'd be fine in the NHL in the right role. And, uh, you know, these are both guys who are not kids anymore, but it's, it's very good to see them get those chances and generate chances. I actually thought Carey played very well on Monday, uh, he had one saucer pass in particular that was great, but I like seeing those guys. You know, it's kind of those. I don't know if there's a good hockey term for them. Those just you know, lifer at AHL guys can be in the top six and will be there for these kids to develop around. Um, I guess my my big question for both of you now is, you know, we've we've gotten to see a lot of the a lot of the kids and, you know, kind of a lot of the fringe guys too, but is there, you know, there's four more preseason games left. You know, is there any guy who you really want to pay attention to that we've already have seen, or maybe someone we haven't seen someone like Nieves? Were you particularly impressed with Nieves? I didn't love what I saw from him on Monday. No, I, I don't even, I, I don't, even, I don't even think he played. He did play. Monday. No, he played. I'm sorry. Yeah, he played. yeah, he, so, yeah, he so played. Shows what that I answers that question. Um, I was not impressed with Nieves, uh, and the problem yeah, is the Rangers have. I think all players are in two categories for the Rangers, right? Or three categories, I should say. Obviously, making the team, so like veterans and whatnot obviously not making the team and you know 
there's not a ton of fringe players in there. I, I would say Anderson is a fringe player. I would say Heatel is a fringe player. Bianca is a fringe player. Um, D'Angelo is a fringe player. But outside of that, it's just – it's like guys you just know are not making the team. You're, you're just aware of it. And that, listen, that's all it is everywhere. But for the Rangers, the Rangers don't have a ton of like – oh, we know this kid's not making the team, but he, he's someone to watch next year. There's not a ton of those guys. Yeah. And I, I don't think – I think the players that stand out are the players we've talked about. It's been Anderson. It's been Heatel, um, Pionk, D'Angelo. Just it's a different type of – it's a different type of preseason this year because there's no looking over your shoulder that a guy like Bang and Bobby Farnham is going to take a kid's role. And we're expecting to see growth. Hey. From, uh, honestly, I've been more interested in Hayes, to be honest. Hayes and Kreider and Miller, too. But just seeing the way that they've kind of come out, and I distinctively remember, I could be wrong, but I do remember Kreider dominating the preseason last year as well. Um, yeah. Those, those are the guys we're watching. Those are the guys that we're trying to keep he an eye like on because those are the guys day. who are inevitably going to be difference makers this year. And I don't know, Beth, your thoughts on, on Mike's question. Well, I mean, Kreider was on the, the KZB line in preseason and then Butch got hurt. So I actually, I, I mean, I think he was really strong in preseason. I do think there was a great chemistry to that line that got derailed for some reason. Um, of course he was, he was playing really well with uh, Heedle and um, Heidel. Heedle. Gerbner, Grabney. Uh, last night, but, but it didn't look quite as much like line magic as it did like player magic. Um, I think they could be a really yeah. fun line to watch. Obviously, they don't have a ton of chemistry yet. It was the first time together. Um, but, yeah, I mean, remember when I said, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, it's been such a relief to not read the This is Kreider's Big Year pieces because we've got other things to think about now. He's got a freaking A. So that's where that's not the point he's at. If he chooses, if he chooses this year to to unleash in every game the way he did last night, uh, I I'd be pretty I'd be pretty happy about that. Which um, I don't he, think anybody will disagree with. But I maintain if Kreider's a twenty-five to thirty goal scorer for sixty points or so, he's done anything and everything the Rangers need him to do. But can we just admit, though, that there are nights when it just seems like he's not turned on? That sounded weirder than I meant it to. You guys know it what did, I mean. It, like the it, it, it did. We know what you mean, but do the people listening know what you mean? You know what? I'm going to let the now. people listening wonder what I mean. Um, mm. But all I'm saying is a higher – Kreider accomplishes – Kreider is, of course, elite and amazing because he accomplished that – when there were, if not entire games, at least entire perhaps half-hour, 40-minute stretches where he did not do a single thing. He just cruised around like a big, weird bird and then would come out of nowhere and attack. And that's the fun thing about him. But I'm just saying, imagine if he just ratcheted that up a tiny bit. Because the times when he's not playing well... It's not like he's playing badly. It's like he's not playing. 
I mean, that to me is the difference. When when Miller isn't having a great night, there's tons of like scrapping around and missing and frustrate. You know what I mean? It's like a spectacle yeah. of things working. When Kreider isn't on, it's just like he's not on. It's like he's someone off. just hasn't pushed the button. But see, that's like and, I'm going to go score all goals now. And here's the only the only issue that I take with, I guess the way that you said it. I don't think Kreider's a glider. I don't think that Kreider takes nights off. I just think there are nights, and I agree with you, you're not wrong to to feel the way that you feel, but I just think there are nights where things don't click for him, and he's just invisible. Yeah. But I don't I, I, I don't think it's a, like, oh, not giving it his all, or, or oh, well, not that you were making I, that insinuation, but... Yeah, I'm not, I don't mean that. I don't mean, I hate the he's not trying language. And I'm really trying to stay away from that. I really feel like it's like you said, something's not working for him. And that's why it seems almost mechanical to me. I don't think that he's not putting, I mean, we've seen this guy jump out of a pool. Okay. This is a, he trains like a crazy man. This guy's head is in hockey. Okay. I don't believe either that he takes a night off, but there's just something about his game that either it's there or it isn't. I don't know what is the trigger for that or, or what isn't. I really don't. It's, but, yeah, I definitely it, don't want to make it seem like he's not – I'm saying he's not trying. I, that word has nothing to do with it. It's the great mystery because the, the reality is if Kreider played like elite Kreider from the get-go every game, he'd score a million points. I don't know. He's, exactly. he's an unbelievably talented player. And But, listen, sometimes things – Nobody can be on forever, right? No, nobody, very few players, maybe the, even the Crosbys of the world have an off night every now and again. But in Kreider's case, it's just things don't work. And I don't even think he gets frustrated at himself anymore. That was an issue. I, I feel like I do remember Kreider needed to see a sports psychologist to just kind of get out of his own head. But he's a guy who, uh, you're right, Beth. There are, Kreider is either the best player on the ice or wait, he played last night? And there's really no in-between. There really isn't any in-between. Yeah. I mean, and that's where... That's where I get frustrated with the Nash haters, because there's always... Nash is always doing something. Always. All to the ways. (laughs) <laughs> regardless of whether or not he's scoring two goals a game or three goals a game, he is or no playing, goals a game or no goals a game, which is more often than not what people yell at him about, but he's always yeah. doing well on defense. He does the little things, right? That famous Chris Drury quote. Um, he plays well in the neutral zone. He, 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 he's another, he is truly, but Rick Nash, like Kreider, I think maybe a little bit, not as hard, but Rick Nash is, He's just unlucky. Nash may legitimately be one of the most unlucky players I've ever seen in my entire life. Honestly, he may, be the, he may be the unluckiest player I've ever seen. When he when things are I, not I, going yeah, his I way, they're not going his way. If there is a remote chance that his shot won't go in, it won't go in. Yeah, every single there, time it like, has to be a lot. If a distant distant star like adjusts itself an inch just to change the gravitational pull, just to pull the puck out of the way so it can hit the post, it's going to happen. 
Yeah. It's best no, I, I actually agree with that. Ruffle, bed ruffle? What is it called? Dust ruffle. Dust ruffle, dust, dust ruffle gets in the way. It's not letting the puck in. <laughs> the dust ruffle. From bed. The worst story of all. The worst story ever told on podcast history. Ever. Ever. I'm, okay I'm fine with myself. Well, I'm, we I'm not saying that you shouldn't. We should talk about a little bit, I think. We should what? Hayes. We ran off with Kreider and, and we did run off with Kreider. Um, I think the I Hayes haters are going to be very upset this year. I really do. I think he's going to be dominant. Dominant. Because he's not going to be in that two-way role anymore. Although he did play four minutes on the penalty kill uh, yesterday, which is not great. Yeah, but everyone Mike, but the thoughts kill. on this? You shut your goddamn mouth when you're talking to me. You just asked me my opinion. Um, no, you spoke before I asked your opinion, Michael. Well, because I know know better than you. Uh, I you've you've crossed I the think line. Hayes, I think, had had his work cut out for him in terms of we all need him to look like yeah, this is our second line center now. He can he can step up and fill that role, and I think. But on Wednesday, he looked a lot like what we need. And it wasn't just because of the goal. Uh, I think he did a lot of those things right that, you know, he was a guy who was confident when he had the puck over the blue line. I like, I like a lot of things about his game. I also really was pleased with him. With He was really verbal with the referees after, you know, with poor Heedle got chased out of that goddamn faceoff dot. Like, like eight times. And the worst part is we know he he doesn't speak English very well. Like Pavlik was having to help him uh, with Vigneault for. So I'm sure when the referee was trying to explain the rules, you know, he's just like, I, I'm sorry, I'm beautiful, but I can't. I don't speak your language. I'm sorry, uh, I'm beautiful. But I like seeing a lot of those little things from Hayes and. It's it's kind of easy to forget, but this is a contract year for him, and this is a huge test. And he played 20 minutes of ice time, and he won over 70% of his draws. You know, he did a little bit of everything, and, of course, he had that great goal, too, on the power play. That's exactly what we need to see. I want to see more of that. I want to see Hayes look dominant, like like you said, Joe. I want... I want him going to the net. I want him not always looking to pass. You know, yeah. I, I don't think he is the best shot in the world, but he has great hands. I want to see him try and finish more. But, but here is where I will adjust. Where mm-hmm. Kreider, I don't think, is a player who, who kind of takes nights off or, or kind of, you know. I don't necessarily think Hayes takes nights off, but I do think Hayes gets in his own head and either decides he's going to do way too much or decides that he's going to do nothing at all so that he doesn't have to do too much. And confidence is a really big thing for him. And AV needs to get him confident again. Playing him in a shutdown role is not okay. Sorry. Lo siento. Don't know what to tell you. If he's going to be a top two center... He's got to be a top two center, period. It's just the way that it works. So I don't know. But, again, if Heatel ends up playing on the third line 
in the third line center position, you're going to have to shelter a line somewhere, one way or another. And I don't know where it's going to be. Uh, maybe it's going to be on the fourth line. I thought Desjardins was good, really good, like surprisingly good. I don't know if he's going to be yeah. defensive enough to to take care of that role on the fourth line, if that's what it comes down to. But goddamn, that's a good problem to have rather than just shoving whoever you think you can in there. Namin. Yeah, I I, I, I really was fine with 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 Dayarne. It was one of those things where I was telling Beth this at the game, where on one power play he and Zook were next to each other and. Somehow, Dayarne is shorter than Zouk, so it was just—it was really just precious to see them stand amazing to each moment. other. But yeah, it was like, good God! It's like a poster of a you know a kitten just saying, "Hang in there, baby." Um, I oh, no. why would it be telling a baby to hang? Jesus, Joe, we're trying. I'm trying so hard here. Um, I think it <laughs> it is really interesting with what we'll see in terms of the penalty kill in particular, because we're getting the impression here and the message that there's going to be a crap ton of penalties early in the season. And the Rangers won't have Jesper fast and Stepan isn't here. So we don't want to see Kevin Hayes being asked to play, you know, two minutes every night on the, on the PK. So, you know, I think that is going to really influence what the hell happens with that third, that third line center? Because Dayarnay is a lot of things. I think if he's in the lineup, you put him on that second power play unit. But I don't necessarily think he's the best option in the world for the penalty kill. And I saw a little bit of J.T. Miller on Monday night with with Nash as a pair, and Nash looked great, and he was like. At one point, he was, like, pushing Miller in the back and, like, trying to communicate with him to cover his man. And it was like, one of these guys is really good at this, and the other guy is learning the ropes. And if Miller is that guy who's supposed to be that third-line center, uh, it's it's a little concerning because I don't – face-offs aren't the most important thing in the world. I think we know that, you know, the, the numbers kind of tell us that possession isn't directly related to face-offs. With that being said, you really, really would like to win your defensive zone face-offs on the penalty kill. It just makes life easier because you're able to get the puck out right away, potentially, you know, get a, a quick early change or just at least set up to stop them on the blue line again. And... I think what we'll see a lot of in this preseason, especially from guys like Nieves and even, you know, Hedl and Anderson is the Rangers are going to be taking a really long, hard look at these guys who can play center. You know, that's why Desjardins in camp, you know, that's, that's why we're seeing this really crazy debate about, I, I think we're even further away from knowing who the hell the third line center is now because of how good Hedl looked, honestly, because I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who's going to be in, and it's crazy to think because do you just not worry about it, the PK, and just say, screw it, just put wingers out there, lose the draw? Who knows? Maybe Nash is going to become really really good at face-offs. I don't know. But this is a great – it's a good problem to have. If Heatel actually forces his way into the lineup, this is a good problem to have. I would like this problem. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I take I would that love, problem I would like over that problem. the – over the, oh, no, we don't have a Dominic Moore defensive center. You know what I mean? You definitely take yeah. the, 
holy crap, this baby is ready to be on the third line. This baby, this child, this baby infant child. newborn, infant newborn. Um, this is going to sound really weird. We have to end the podcast because it is Kira's birthday and we baked her a cake. And that doesn't sound weird yet, but Kira is a dog. We need to go sing happy <laughs> birthday to Kira. And Stanley and Luke get all excited because they get cakes as well. They know the happy birthday song. Everybody gets a cake, specialty dog cake. Um, before we sing happy birthday to Kira, patreon.com slash blue shirt banter. If you go Stanley to that website, cake? you can give us money. Anthony Viola, John J. Porter, Eric Cohn, Alexander Ricard, Daniel DeGen, Matt Bader, George Lippman, Guy from Montana, Andrew Grigo, John Reppy, Think Fleeman, Trevor Kepner, Dan Carosi, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Alexander Thornton, Igor Zatlovsky, Thomas Osa, and Michael Silvers have all done just that, and you should do that too. If you don't, oh, Armando Kissinger too. <laughs> you should do it. Do it right now. If you don't do it, you're a terrible person and you hate Mike. You don't want to hate Mike. Mike loves you. Son of a bitch. I want to know. You son of a bitch. Um, Yeah, Stanley get cake. Stanley um, is actually allergic, so I don't know if he's going to get cake. He's allergic to everything. If he so much as looks at human food, he gets like an ear infection. Um, Human food? You feed the dog human food. Cuban. Oh, Cuban. Cuban. Not Cuban. He can't. What do you think? He's like, eating spiced fried pork, Beth? <laughs> I didn't know that. What are you why doing? What are you feeding your doggos? A little Cuban sandwich? Some ham and pickles and Swiss cheese and mustard? Oh, that sounds really good, actually. It does. Yeah, it does. I mean, hey. um, Twitter.com slash Beth Macklin. What? I don't care about Twitter. Whose dog is this? Who's, who, what dog is this? Yeah, whose dog is this? Oh, my wife. My sister-in-law, my wife is a twin sister who actually just bought a house directly behind us. Um, her and her husband have two dogs. They have Stanley's brother, Luke, and then they have Kira, who's a black lab, who's turning nine today. This sounds like a weird Aww. compound. Everyone's related, including the dogs. Correct. Yeah, this sounds a lot like, uh, like Jonestown. It's like Three's Company, but with dogs. Jonestown, Three's Company, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't, nope. don't, no. Um, Twitter.com slash Beth Macklin. Twitter.com slash DickDeepBSB. Twitter.com slash BlueShirtBanter. Just put BlueShirtBanter in front of anything. It doesn't have to be Twitter. It could be Facebook or just your URL. And, um, yeah, that's it. I have one dog, Beth. More just, hockey. Just I want to see more hockey. Yes, we'll see hockey, more hockey, 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 hockey. All right. Good night, everybody. Mike is a whale. Keetle.